I'm going to share a word with you tonight, and to do that, I need to tell you a personally embarrassing story. Um, it, it has direct connection with uh, the message I'd like to share with you. I've titled the message, The Games We Win. The Games We Win. Many years ago, I signed up for and went to a spinning class. See, your reaction immediately tells me that you knew more than I knew that wasn't going to go well for me. I got up early, as is my habit anyway, have a nice cup of coffee, got to the spinning class. I was really casual about it. I was dressed appropriately because, you know, uh, dressing for the gym uh, requires a vibe. And I, I got there and uh, uh, got into the class and the spinning instructor, instructress came. And in the first five seconds, I realized that my headspace did not equal the intensity of what was about to happen. I was casual, and she was on the warpath. You need to understand, I live alone. Nobody shouts at me at 6 a.m. Nobody shouts at me at 7 a.m. or at any other time in the morning. We got onto those bikes, and an angry person led us. Every intention of frustration that she ever had was coming out in that spinning class. I was shouted at for just being alive. <laughs> See yourselves dying of laughter there. I hope you don't. And she knew who I was, so she said, I hope the pastors in the back aren't slacking off. I had organized it so that there was zero resistance, but I looked like I was dying. And let me tell you the point of that conversation. I didn't realize that what I'd signed up for was serious. I approached it with a casual attitude. Tonight, I'm going to talk to you about how the devil convinces you to be casual about things we should be serious about and serious about things we should dismiss as casual. And that when you know the game he's called you to play, you'll know how to win it. You'll know how to win it. It's a fundamentally vital idea because this idea is all over Scripture in so many different ways. In fact, if you study some of the topic around the way people play games with their lives, with other people's lives, with their minds or with one another, you discover the Bible has a lot of information about it. I think we live in a world at the moment where playing mind games is the norm. And that every person in this room, every person who hears this message, all of us are in some way or another influenced by the gravitational pull of somebody else's game. All of us. And it's quite powerful to see how that works. So Luke chapter 23 from the message, verse 36 to 37, tells a story of Christ's crucifixion. But there's a little game in the middle of it that just is absolutely striking. It says this, the soldiers also came up and poked fun at him, making a game of it. They even toasted him with, with a sour wine. Uh, so you're the king of the Jews, save yourselves. Yourself. In Matthew chapter 27, that same story in the NIV is recounted this way. They offered uh, Jesus wine, 
uh, but uh, mixed with gall, something very bitter. But after tasting it, he refused to drink it. Then when they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots and sitting down, they kept watch over him. You know, this is the striking thing that while Christ is dying on a cross, people at the foot of the cross were playing a board game and the winner got his clothes. Isn't that crazy? And to this day, I think this tension between a serious thing happening and a game being played is still happening all over the world all the time. People make marriage decisions and business decisions and personal life choices and sometimes not recognizing how incredibly powerful that moment is. Serious doesn't have to be sad or heavy, but it must be with authority. Amen? I think there's something about recognizing that. One of the first ideas I wanted to share with you is that Jesus, just a quick lesson out of his conversation, refused to take something that looked sweet but actually was bitter. He refused it, even if he's thirsty. Let me tell you an encouragement from that bit of Scripture. Don't mix things in such a way that you can't tell what's sweet and what's bitter. No matter how thirsty you are for something, don't accept it if it comes bitter in the end. Accept it only if it's truly the purity of the sweet thing it's supposed to be. Sometimes we accept a bit of bitter and Jesus is like, don't mix this. One of the games we play in life is how we mix things. And I think there's something uh, really important about recognizing uh, how to avoid that. Romans chapter 7 from the Message Translation. Paul is frustrated with this game he's in with himself. I love the words from the Message Translation. It says this, but I need something more. For I know the law, but still can't keep it. And if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can't will it. I can will it rather, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. It happens so regularly, it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Part of me covertly rebels, covertly rebels rather, and just when I least expect it, I take charge. I'm almost there. I've tried everything, Paul says. Nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? And then he ends with the answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. That's such a powerful scripture. You should read through it again sometime later out of the message translation. He's saying that even with my best thoughts, best decisions, best intentions, I am not able within myself to avoid this game of trying to be good and failing and trying to avoid bad and slipping up. He said, I can't, I can't help it. I can't help it on my own. But thanks be to God, Jesus Christ helps me. I don't know if you know this, but we're all in the gravitational pull, either of life or of death, of righteousness or of, of sin. And Paul is simply saying, don't lose at this game. 
Let Christ in and let him guide and lead and direct you. All of us have the influence and power of that. Have you ever felt like you're not really yourself lately? Ever felt like, ever said that to someone, I'm not really myself these days. I don't feel like I'm, has anyone said that to you? You haven't been yourself lately. That's what Paul's talking about, this gravitational pull that I know who I ought to be, but something sabotages my soul and pulls me into somebody I don't want to be. And the tension between those two things, other people look at and say, you haven't been yourself. You haven't been yourself. Do you know, um, the two years in lockdown uh, were, were tough um, just because they were so painfully restrictive. But the year since lockdown, for me personally, has been harder, but only in my own head. Not in any other way. Every other way, it's been cool. We had church, we get to see your wonderful faces, we get to have coffee together, lemon meringue afterwards, fat-free, because at church, the Holy Spirit removes the... I can't even say it, it's just so wrong. But personally, I came out of lockdown and a little idea from a YouTube clip actually that I watched got stuck in my brain. And this guy said, I don't even remember who the guy is, said, aren't you tired of getting up every day and telling other people how to live their lives? So I got, it got stuck in my brain. I thought, I am actually tired of that. I don't know if I want to do that. Get up every day and tell other people how to live their lives. And then the YouTube algorithm made me see more people. Watch the gravitational pull, pulled towards something. And now I'm in a fight and I'm arriving casual at the fight. But there's somebody about to shout at me and it's the enemy of my soul, the devil, and he's pulling me into an orbit that is about to sabotage something in me and I have to arrive weaponized to win that fight and not play with it. Do you see what I mean? I have to get my my headspace right for the conflict space I'm in. I'm winning that, by the way. 1 Peter 1 from the message. I know, I know, I spent too much time listening to the message on Audible uh, this week. 1 Peter 1, verse 13 through 16. So roll up your sleeves, get your head in the game, be totally ready to receive the gift that's coming when Jesus Christ arrives don't lazily slip back into those old grooves of evil doing just what you feel like doing. You don't know, you didn't know any better then, you do now. As obedient children, let yourselves be pulled into the way of life shaped by God's life, a life energetic and ablaze with holiness. God said, I'm holy, you be holy. This idea of a gravitational pull that draws you into something. Let me tell you the intention of the devil. The intention of the devil and the gravitational pull we called worldliness is to make us all similar. Why be so serious about marriage? Be like us. Why take this God thing so serious? Be like us. Just put a little sticker on the back of your car, enough worship. Why take it? The gravitational pull. Okay, if you put a stick on the back of your car recently, that's a blessing from the Lord. I don't know. A stick is available after the service. But the idea is to pull you out of God's desire for you into something ordinary. And we keep losing at this game because we don't recognize it's being played on us. I um, 
have been to a few Christian get-togethers, like weekends away and camps. And I've noticed that when Christians bring out board games, their Christian character, is that what you're about to say? Just leaves the room. And what you had in the room is a competitive, uh, insistent, um, <laughs> will kill you in the process of winning saint. My favorite kind of saint is the kind, no names mentioned, who make up the rules as they go along. Just so that you, Matt, are you one of those? Because you're laughing with conviction. You're laughing with repentance. Make up the rules so they can always be the winner and you can always be the loser. Joke aside, do you know how many people apply Christianity like that? Constantly changing the rules on other people so they can be the winner and the other person can always be the loser and can never succeed at this thing called follower of Jesus Christ. Stop playing the game. And so I guess this conversation commands of us or requires of us whether your headspace is in the right place. Get your head in the game. Best way to describe that is to, from time to time, ask yourself, where's your head at? Are you matching the, the fight with the mindset and making sure you're not the victim of some orbital pull that pulls you in some kind of direction? Right now, the world is full of all kinds of weird orbital tensions. You know what we really need in the world right now is a great spiritual awakening where the, the force of influence is greatest from the Holy Spirit into our hearts and cuts all of the other nonsense going on in the world and just directs us back to the authentic original design of who we're supposed to be in Jesus. That's actually what we need. We need to silence all the other games being played. But it is the trick of the devil to persuade us to live like that. So I thought tonight what I would do is, um, I haven't used the bastle, I feel like I should since it was brought out, is to share with you from the Bible three games uh, the devil tries to get us to lose that, plays a game on us to get us to lose that. And once we're aware what we're doing, we can win. And the first one, they're all a little, um, they're all a bit spicy, but they're so good. So please um, just take them with, I don't know, am I supposed to say with love? You can't say take it with a pinch of salt, but um, these are spicy, okay? So, but they were, they were so impactful when I read them, and I hope they'll be equally impactful to you. First of all, um, there is what I've called the worship game. This is where your heart is far from what your hands are doing. So the Bible says some people, we get, into, we get drawn into the space where we worship God with our lips, but our hearts are far from him. We lift up hands, but our hearts are not holy. And that disconnect, you're going to lose. It won't work because at the end... In the end, you might look at yourself one day and say, I'm not being real. Do you, do you know um, whenever people say to me, oh, you know, I've tried the God thing, but it doesn't feel real. Can, can I, w would you take some really honest advice on that? Is that okay? In the equation between God and me, if I walk away thinking something's not real, the person who wasn't real was me. 
it's really powerful, isn't it? It's just this idea of, Lord, I want to be real. Okay, so let me switch to um, a passage of Scripture. Uh, one of the coolest passages of Scripture in the message, definitely in the message, Tifty. I do have an NIV in there towards the end, okay, for the real saints. But this passage of Scripture is so solid, and I'm here for it. Matthew 26, 25, then Judas, already turned traitor, in other words, already betrayed Jesus, said to him, it isn't me, is it, Rabbi? Jesus said, don't make play, play games with me, Judas. Oh, that's strong. So remember, at the final dinner, Jesus says, one of you will betray me. And then J Judas, who's already got 30 pieces of silver for trading uh, for betraying Jesus, says in the public arena, it's not me, is it? I'm in a good place with you, aren't I? And Jesus just says, don't play games. And I thought just how powerful it is that when I say to the Lord, Lord, I surrender all, I should do that with absolute sincerity and honesty and not play games with that because that's serious and powerful and life-changing. I'm like, that. Oh, that's good. You know, the worship game is to, um, is to do what we think other people require without ever being honest before God on what we require. One of the things I absolutely love about Father's House is that we want to make sure church is safe for you to come to and be honest about where you're at and that we hopefully will never create an environment where you have to perform a certain way to be accepted by the other Christians and be one of us. So you act out the part, but you're dying inside. And you want to tell somebody you're dying inside. It's not going well, but you can't because you'd be rejected by that group of people. So what you do is you smile well, and you raise your hands well, and you say all the right terms. But inside, there's a game being fought. And I want to tell you, to answer the question, can anybody help me that Romans poses? Thanks be to God, Jesus Christ can and does. And really, it doesn't matter what, whether you're performing the worship thing properly. It matters that you're healing. And out of that authentic change, worship will come, and it will be incredibly powerful when it does. Now, please don't fall into that trap, and don't let the devil trick you into playing that game into playing the game of lips that worship and a heart that's far away or gone cold. Can you say amen to that? Don't, don't let him do that. Secondly, uh, one of the most powerful games the devil tries to draw us into, and now that we know the game, we know how to win it, I've called it the windfall game. This is the game where the theory is, as soon as I have enough, I'm going to be the person I'm meant to be. As soon as my ship comes in, as soon as I get past this debt or into that level of leadership, management, or income, then I'm going to do what God needs me to do. I want to, I want to tell you, one of the most dangerous games the devil calls you into is the belief that enough is an actual line somewhere. Enough doesn't exist, do you know that? It's an invisible line and you will chase your whole life trying to reach it and you will lose because you were nothing more than a pawn in the game of nothing is enough that the devil convinced you of. Nothing is enough. And one of the most, 
challenging ideas behind that is to be suckered into this orbital pool of saying, uh, I, I don't have... I don't have enough or as much as. I mean, we've just come out of Black Friday. I hope it worked out for you. I hope you all got what you wanted and as much of it and um, uh, your deliveries arrived. Mine arrived today already. How amazing is that? I bought a take-a-lot thing. It arrived today. Yeah, funny, funny SMS conversation, text conversation. Courier texts, I'm outside your gate. It's at nine, 10 past nine. I'm at church. Career replies, can you slip out? <laughs> I'm the pastor. God bless you, sir. <laughs> May the Lord be with you, sir. Tomorrow's no problem, sir. And then he starts explaining, we only work on Sundays because of the Black Friday thing. We don't normally work on Sunday. In fact, normally I am in church on Sunday. I am myself in church normally. In fact, I'm a deacon. <laughs> he typed so long that my neighbor came out wondering what this guy is standing at the gate typing and took my item for me. <laughs> so I managed to get it in. It's a Croxley turntable for vinyl music. Played it today. Oh, so nice. But then I thought, is it enough? I need Bluetooth speakers to connect. Is that enough? I need Bluetooth speakers that operate from an app on my phone. One in each room there, I can have different volume. And different. I'm just telling you it's never going to be enough. You're being tricked. You're being tricked into delaying joy, peace, gratitude, and appreciation towards the other side of an invisible non-existent line, and you will never have it, and the devil will smile at your discontentment. Matthew chapter 12 from, yeah, the message. Verse 15 to 16 says, Jesus knew it was a trick uh, and said, why are you playing these games with me? Bring me a coin and let me look at it. They handed him one. He looked at, uh, handed him one. This engraving, he said, who does it look like? And those, and whose name is on it? Caesar, they said. And Jesus said, give to Caesar what is his and to God what is is. The idea is the one doesn't have to stop the other. I can achieve what I need to ch achieve by building life in this world, but I can honor God and place him first also same time. I don't need to play this game of when I get there, then I'll pull God into it. I'll do it together. I can do it together. It's totally a game to be convinced that, to be persuaded that someday when you have enough, then you'll be happy, then you'll be uh, a, a, a good husband or wife or a, a good worshiper or whatever. That line doesn't exist. I met an incredibly wealthy person, incredibly wealthy person years ago, 10 years ago maybe. I caught up with him again the other day, so that's why it's fresh in my mind. And I remember sitting across the table, very well-known person in PA, I won't give you any more hints except he's Irish. No. So I'm, I'm sitting, I'm sitting, I was at the table with him and we were having a cup of coffee and I asked him this question. I said, do you have enough? And he said, yes, definitely, no. Just like that. He went from yes, definitely to no in a single sentence. Do you know what I realized? Uh, the devil is making us chase an unattainable, invisible goal 
and convincing you that sacrificing or standing on the, 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 your marriage, your kids' lives and their journey, and your faith is worth doing it. Because one day when you get there, you'll remember it all again, and you will have lost at the game. Get your head in the game. There's someone about to shout at you, and you should win. Amen? The winful game. When I have enough. Such a trick. And then finally, the word game. The word game. Uh, <laughs> how many of you know words matter? And how many of you have ever felt like somebody used words but with a twist? Either repeated the words. I mean, the ultimate word game has surely been Genesis already. What exactly did God say? Did he really say, when you eat of the tree, you shall die? Just play with words. Just mince the words around a bit and get you to lose. I was sharing at lunch in the Jaybay, with the Jaybay Church about this message and they were talking about board games and how they have a relative who always asks at the beginning of the board game, are we playing with old rules or new rules? The only person who knows the new rules is that person because they're making them up as they go along. The question is a trick. If you think there are new rules, you're too naive, so he'll get you. You've got to say, there aren't old rules and new rules. There's only one kind of rules. Well, let me tell you, there isn't an old gospel and a new gospel. And there isn't an old school God and then a new version God. And there isn't an old school way of doing life and the modern way of doing life. That's just a play on words, hoping you're ignorant enough not to know that the rules never changed, just the player did. We got a modern marriage. No, you don't. You have a broken one. The player changed. The rules didn't change. I'm a new generation. I got new money. I'm a new generation wealth, new generation, new generation rich person. No, you're not. You're caught in a trap of debt in order to present to the world a sense of power and superiority. It's as old as Genesis. Players changed. The game never changed. Don't let the words be twisted. Second Corinthians chapter 4 from? Oh, you guys are so good. At least Matt, Matt's calling it out. Since God has so generously led us, led us in on what he is doing, we're not about to throw up our hands and walk off the job just because we run into occasional hard times. We refuse to wear masks and play games. We don't maneuver and manipulate behind the scenes and we don't twist God's word to suit ourselves. Rather, we keep everything we do and say uh, uh, out in the open, the whole truth always on display. How powerful is that scripture? It suggests that, I mean, imagine if I quoted that scripture a year ago. We don't wear masks. I'd be in jail. But this is a metaphorical See, what it's saying is people who wear masks are always maneuvering and manipulating. They twist words and they twist God in order to suit themselves. That is a game you'll lose. 
It is better instead um, to use God's word as it was intended. I want to encourage you tonight um, to be a biblical winner and to do that, um, don't let the devil draw you into this game of, you know, playing with words. Pastor George, we're, um, we're not married, married, but we like, ma- we're like it's, it's like we're married. Mm. No, I don't think so. Let's just play a move. Shouldn't I have said that? Is that too harsh? That's a player move. The player's changing, but the game hasn't. Pastor George, like, um, I believe in giving, I do, but um, like I give my time. Give my time. Mm. No, you also give your time to Netflix. <laughs> Surely we don't measure your God commitment based on where you're giving your time, right? Because Netflix would be the winner. <laughs> Master and Lord, rushing home to watch The Crown. Oh, I know you did. Don't lie. I binge watched it. It was awful. The angrier I got, the more I wanted to watch it. That's not, that's not, don't, that, don't, that's play that. I don't really need to read the Bible, you know, because there's so much other material out there to read. Hmm. No, I think you're maneuvering and manipulating. I love this one. Do you know in the Bible, there's, there's, there's books missing, eh? I saw on TikTok. I saw on TikTok, there's like a book of Judas. Where is it? Where is it? Where's the gospel of Judas? Where's the gospel of Thomas? It's in there. It's in there. Sorry, have you read Matthew, Mark, Luke? And, can we start with what we've got in there before you adding? You've got like 2,000 pages to work from. Can you start there? Then we can add. We can add more conversation. But aren't you playing? Aren't you playing? I think, I mean, I think it's, there is a gospel of Judas, but it wasn't authenticated, so it's out. And there was a gospel of Thomas, but it also wasn't authenticated, so it's out. Like it's, this is not new news. It's just new to TikTok. They found it, but we've been having it all the time. I don't know why everyone's so shocked. <gasps> there is another gospel. We always knew there was a group of people called the bishops of Nicene Creed, and they sat down and they said, well, this thing's been retranslated and rewritten. It's not real. We don't know who wrote it. It could be a lie. Kick it out. We've been having it. But what a lie to stop me from reading everything by suggesting there's something else I might be reading. What a lie. Hang on. No. So I thought maybe to conclude, I didn't know how to end my final heading. So I literally said, seriously, though. (laughs) James chapter 4, predictably from the message. Purify your inner life. Quit playing the field. Hit bottom. Cry your eyes out. The fun and games are over. Get serious, really serious. Get down on your knees before the master. It's the only way you'll get on your feet again. What what an incredible passage of scripture that really pushes through into the idea that there's a way of doing things seriously and there's a way of doing things lazily or half-heartedly or falsely, whatever other language was used in this conversation tonight. And um, 
I wanted to end with this idea that <clears throat> the only reason why you'll lose at something in the game of life is if you didn't know which game you were playing. If you showed up for cricket and the devil's here for rugby, you didn't know the game you were playing. I said in J Bay, one of you showed up for darts and the other for yik's game. And everyone came to you afterwards and said, how do you know what is that? We had to look, Google it while you were talking. If you, you're playing the wrong game, even if you play it well, and how many people play the money game well and they amass money but not happiness? So they played that game well, but it wasn't the game of life you were meant to play. So you win at something with no prizes. And so I really want to encourage you tonight as we um, uh, wrap up. Uh, there is a verse in the Bible that says, for we are not ignorant of the devil's schemes. That's a New King James translation too. I want to encourage you not to fall into the trap of um, an orbital pull that draws you into something unrighteous and you didn't even know it was happening. And instead, to be pulled into heaven's way of living. Because it will flood your life with incredible joy and incredible peace and incredible authority. Can you say amen to that? Would you please stand with me? Excuse me. You know that the one evening service, I'm completely on time. There's no clock to, to, to brag about. Um, this, this crew of people come to the front and they join by a few others just available to pray for you uh, personally. Always available at all our services. And also uh, always communion available in the front uh, after the service. And a prayer card where you can anonymously write a prayer need or report a praise report. Thank God for something. You just write it down. We pray for, for them and over them at our staff meetings uh, here. Uh, and then, obviously, always great coffee and available afterwards. But this next minute between now and then, it's vital. So would you, would you close your eyes for a moment so, so as not to um, feel like you're being exposed in any way, like in an awkward way? As, if you feel like you've been losing in some kind of game, some gravitational pull you've been pulled into that, that you didn't pay attention to and, and now you're in this thing and you feel a bit shattered at, beaten up and taken advantage of, I really, I especially want to pray for you. I want your awareness tonight to give you the keys you need to win. Oh, I know now, that's what we're doing. And, and I want to be able to pray for you. So if that's where you're at, I'd, I'd really be... I'd consider it a great privilege uh, if you could, if you could say, "Yeah, I, I get it now. I, I have misunderstood the rules of the game, and it, it hit me, and I'm, I'm stepping in with a mindset appropriate for the context." If that's where you're at, I'd just love to pray with you. So you just raise your hand long enough for me to sit and say, "Yeah, I'm definitely up for that prayer. I'm in that prayer. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you." We're also going to put up a prayer on the screen. Uh, if you realize tonight that maybe you, you haven't taken seriously the whole faith thing or, or you, you haven't had a start date, like this is my start date of being a person of faith, a follower of Jesus Christ and a believer. If you haven't had a start date, 
we haven't taken it seriously. I'll leave that up on the screen. And when I'm finished praying um, for all of us, and, and if you'd like to pray this prayer, I invite you to do it. And if you do, I'd love for you to come to the front and tell one of us, hey, I prayed that prayer. And if you don't have a Bible, we'll give you one, of course, for free. Um, but we'll, I'll leave it up on the screen. I just want to take this minute and pray this prayer uh, about winning. Lord, thank you so much that you make us aware of the influences and forces at work around us and the incredible influence that the Holy Spirit and authority and force that the Holy Spirit has over our lives. And tonight we silence the voices of dark places, of foolish wisdom, and, and of common worldly practice, and we welcome the voice of the Holy Spirit, the extraordinary leadership of the power and word of God and the authenticity of knowing what, what game we're in and winning at it. Teach us to match the mindset to the moment so we can win and give you all the glory. We respond to that question that Paul asked in Romans 7 the same way. Can anybody help me? Thanks be to God. Jesus Christ can and does. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, would you give God a shout of praise and worship and thanksgiving?